Hello, and welcome to The Healing Place. This is your host, Fee. On today's episode, we will be discussing the topic of life after suicide. The reason why I chose this topic is because this is one that is very near and dear to my heart um, as I tried to commit suicide three times. And the last time I was almost successful in taking myself out, but something happened. I experienced a paradigm shift that I never expected. So to go into a little bit more detail about that, um, I come home from a really hard day at work and it wasn't really anything that was bothering me in particular at that time. I just, I simply had had enough. I was tired of being stressed out. I was tired of being in so much pain. I felt like I had this massive anvil that I just kept dragging everywhere I went. And I really was just like, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't sleep. I am not eating well. I I am not an active person in terms of being out with my friends, nor did I want to. And so I made a decision that day. I was coming home and that was it. Um, at the time, I was in a relationship with this guy. Uh, he was a bit older. We'd been in a relationship for about seven years. So it wasn't anything in particular that really drove me to that. And I remember it just like it was yesterday. I came home from work. And at the time, I had a Westie. His name was Caesar. And I loved that dog. I came home and I played with him. And I didn't even have the drive to really want to play with him like I normally would. So I came home. I played with him for a little bit. I put him in his kennel. And he instantly knew something was wrong. He started howling. And I eventually, I got so tired of him howling, I just closed the door. And then I went into the bedroom um, that me and my partner, we shared at the time. And my partner, he was on a slew of medications. So he had all kinds of medicine in the medicine cabinet, Vicodin and, um, you know, Lipitor and all kinds of stuff. And I made a decision, like once I closed that door in that other room with the dog howling that I was, I was, I was done. I was stressed out. I felt like I had been carrying around this anvil that was chained to my body and I couldn't get rid of it. And you know, it's something to be said when you have, you are just in so much pain that there is nothing that anybody can say or do that can really drag you out of it. And I was just like, you know what? I don't feel like my life is worthwhile. I don't really love my partner because he could only give me so much. And he had pretty much said that, you know, I wasn't the marrying kind. And that was devastating for me. I mean, that rocked my world. And, you know, I hadn't had a relationship with my daughter in a while just because, you know, I needed to go off and try to find myself. And so I really had nothing to be inspired by. And so I went into the bedroom, I closed the door, and I took the, um, the container of uh, pills. And I took all of them, just got a big glass of water and just, I swallowed them. And the next thing you know, I got into bed. I took the phone off the hook and covered myself up and went to sleep. And I don't know how long I laid there before um, my partner, he came home and, you know, and I can feel everything around me, but I just could not wake up. And so, you know, I could feel him coming into the room and him shaking me, um, screaming to screaming my name. And I just wouldn't I wouldn't move. I could hear him calling the ambulance. 
and I could hear the EMS when they got there and they had asked what happened. And he said, well, I don't know. I just got home from work and this is how I found her. And, you know, I could hear the uh, EMS workers. I could hear the walkie talkie in the background. But mind you me, the whole time that this is going on, I could not move. I couldn't open my eyes. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And I can feel one of the um, EMS workers driving his knuckle into my sternum. And I'm thinking to myself, shit, this hurts like hell, but I can't move. And I could feel that I could, um, I could feel them like giving me the uh, smelling salts because they tried everything to try to arouse me to, to wake up, but I, I just, I couldn't move. And so eventually they decided it was time to transport me to the hospital. And so I could feel them gather up the blankets around me, putting me on the gurney. I can feel them walking down the stairs with me on the gurney. And, and my partner is, he's behind them. He's going, I'll meet you guys at the, at the hospital. And, you know, next thing you know, I can feel them putting the gurney into the back of the ambulance and they're working on me. They're sticking an IV in my arm, um, just trying to get fluids in me as quickly as possible. And I could feel my body seizing up. I mean, literally my entire body just seized up. And after that, everything went blank. So then I woke up like two days later in the hospital. I had tubes down my throat. I can overhear the physicians in the background saying, you know, this young woman is very lucky. We're not sure exactly what she had took, um, but she's very lucky to still be here. She suffered a seizure in the back of the ambulance and she went into cardiac arrest. And it was at that moment that I realized that, okay, I have to do something different because what I'm doing, it no longer works. And obviously it's not my time to go yet. So I might as well try to make the most of my time while I'm here on this planet. And it was from that day forward that I decided that I was going to do the legwork necessary to make sure that I felt better about myself and about my life. So I embarked on this road of therapy. Now, I had gone to multiple therapists, but, you know, I just couldn't find one that really spoke to me. So I think it probably took me maybe two or three therapists before I found one that really spoke to what I was looking to accomplish. And so we embarked on this journey of therapy and, you know, talking and me trying to express myself. I remember there'd be times in sessions that I'd be screaming at the top of my lungs, crying profusely. Um, because it was just my way of getting that pain out. And, you know, it's been the thing that has really saved me is being able to speak about my experiences, because I think in order for me to heal, I, I, since I'm a talker, I have to talk about it and not necessarily talk about it to everybody because not everybody's going to understand. You have to find your tribe and feel comfortable enough to be able to talk to them about something that is so, to me at that time, it was so embarrassing. And, you know, I mean, because there's a stigma attached to suicide. Oh, you know, they took the, the easy way out. Oh, you, you have to be really weak in order for you to commit suicide. And the reality of it is that is farthest from the truth. You could be the strongest person in the world. And if something hits you in the wrong way, it can take you down a very deep, dark, slippery slope. And that's the slope in which I went on. And, you know, after that whole experience, it scared the shit out of me. I was like, oh, my God, I was I was almost dead. I mean, 
Technically, I was dead because I did go into cardiac arrest, but they were able to revive me. And so um, I live life so differently now. That happened when I was in my late 20s and I'm in my mid 40s now. Um, I would never think about ever doing that again because I not only hurt myself, um, I hurt those around me that I cared about and that cared about me. And I didn't realize it at the time. But it was just one of those things. It's like no matter what anyone could say to me, they just couldn't reach me because I was so far deep into it that this was something I was going to have to try to dredge through myself. And so, you know, now I tell my story about my suicide attempts with the hope that somebody will be inspired enough that they will listen to what I've gone through and say, you know, I don't want to go through that because I can imagine how she felt. And it really was like the most painful moments of my life. Um, It was almost as bad as losing my mom. Actually, probably was even worse than losing my mom because I was going through it all by myself. I didn't have anyone there to to coach me or to encourage me and or to do anything for me. So it was it was yeah, it was the roughest thing that I've ever gone through. And 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 so now when I hear about people taking their lives and, you know, and you got the naysayers going, oh, they were weak and they weren't cut out for this life. And I just I have to stop them and go, you have no clue what that's like. It's like, you know, you could you can have everything in the world. But if something triggers you be well beyond what your own emotional abilities can handle, that can happen. I just happened to be one of the lucky ones that didn't get taken out because I knew there was something else that I needed to do. And so that's what led me to being able to share my stories here on this podcast is because it's my way of healing completely. But then more importantly, giving someone else a sense of hope, a purpose, and just to let them know that they're not the only one out there that's dealing with it. And that, you know, all you have to do is just say something. I didn't because I didn't know what resources were out there. I didn't see anything or anyone that I could connect to that could take me down a different path. And so the one thing that I want to say is, you know, life after suicide, it's pretty damn awesome. Because look at where I am right now. I am thriving I am doing things that I never in my wildest dreams have been able to do. Since that ordeal, I went on to snowboard and slalom water ski and play golf and shoot bow and arrow and travel and do all these crazy things that most people, when they look at me, they'd never imagine that I've ever done or it would ever do. But that just goes to show you, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. And if all else fails... You just got to go back to the basics of self-love. I had to fall in love with myself all over again, which was very hard and very challenging. Because remember, when you're coming from a place of trauma, you don't see your self-worth. You don't think you're worth anything. In fact, you feel probably like I felt. I felt like a discarded Dixie cup in every situation that I was in. Not that it was my fault, but that's exactly how I felt. And now, yep. I don't have that Dixie cup mentality because I know I'm worth it. I know I'm, I'm worth something. I know I'm special. I know that my purpose was, is so much greater than what I initially thought. So 
With that being said, I just want to let you know, don't ever give up. Yeah, you'll probably hear my kids in the background because they probably just got home. Um, But just wanted to let you know that you're loved more than you know. And if you're in that, that pit of despair, reach out, talk to someone, let them know how you feel, ask for help. Because nine times out of 10, there's somebody there that knows exactly what you've gone through and can point you in the right direction. My name is V, and I'm glad that you tuned in to the, the Healing Place. Thank you so much. Take care.